0: Welcome to the Inspired Teachers Guide podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers trying to podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this We have some really interesting, yeah, interesting information today that Laura is teaching me, and I love it. But before we get started, we want to start touch on last
0: week's episode. Mm-hmm. Like, bringing peace to you in your classroom. What stood out to you like? Oh man. Leslie just gave us such practical information that's free and easy. Yes. And it just really made me think about how I could incorporate it into my life and then with students. I what the main thing that stood out to me is that she talked about breath work um mindfulness and meditation, and that those are going to continue. That was interesting. Yeah. And that we can start with, we can start with the first step and it'll still make a difference. Yes. Just start with breathing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did the square, I guess we're going to mention the square breathing that Natalie taught us on every episode. But, um, I was with a group of adults today working with them and I taught them the square breathing and we just did one square. And I said, how do you feel different? And they were like, we all feel different. And I was like, that was just with one square. So it's powerful. It is. That was,
1: for me, the breathing was pretty big. The the hot chocolate breathing. (sighs) I did that this week with a little boy that was really upset. Mm -hmm. And it, was I felt like it helped him and then uh, a couple of days later he was in my room and he had his little hot...
0: oh he did it on his own yes. oh, oh that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah so that's what that's the goal right mm-hmm. to get them to
1: do it on their own Absolutely. and um the meditation I've always been scared of mm-hmm. like because I'm my, my I'm a little hyper <laughs> she,
0: little that, she, she like, her face a <laughs> little bit
1: and so getting my mind settled is hard. Mm-hmm. I think the breathing, and I did, I've been doing the mindfulness and keeping a journal, a grat- gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that. But um, the other day, one day this week, I wasn't feeling my greatest and I decided not to run into yoga, which I need to do more often. But I did, I did it. And afterward, I did a guided meditation mm-hmm. and I was just ready to start my day. I felt. I felt at peace. Like mind and body mm-hmm. awake and ready. Yeah. And I got that app. I got an app for uh, meditation prayers. Okay. And I've oh, been yeah, doing that. Sure.
0: Yeah. We'll put that on there. Yeah. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it is going to make a difference. And I know that it's going to take time. And we teachers, we know we don't have enough time. But it's one of those things that if we invest, I think it will. I do too. I do too. Very much. We'll see the fruit of mm-hmm. it. I've done. I did it. All, uh, the breathing. I've
1: done a couple of different. I've done mm-hmm. the square breathing and the hot chocolate breathing with my sixth grade boys, mm-hmm. who I adore. Just let me say they are the cutest things you've ever seen. But they're sixth grade boys, and it's at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So they're just very they're restless and restless, and their little bodies are just growing so fast. And so we've been doing some breathing to start our lesson, mm-hmm. just to just to settle and and get ready to get focused.
0: Right. And I think you could choose not to do it. And then attention would still be lagging, mm-hmm. you know, but then you do two minutes of it and they're going to be more focused. I think so
1: too. Yeah. It's just a pause. And and I think that's what we're going to cover today about taking that little pause. Yeah. And I, that kind of re when I was studying for today's episode kind of reinforce that whole Mm -hmm. bit, how that all fits together. Isn't
0: it amazing how much pause comes up? Yes, (laughs) it does. It sure does. Square breathing and pausing. Yes. Okay. So today's episode is about cognitive regulation. And that may sound scary, but it's not. So it's just simply the regulation of our thinking. So a few episodes back episode 13 we talked about emotional regulation yes. and I think that's easier to wrap our brains around. I think so too. Yeah. Um but I really want you to think about listeners as you listen today is how can we how can we embed emotional regulation and then this new information with cognitive regulation into our own lives and then into our students because the man can you imagine if we had emotional regulation and cognitive regulation skills going on in our classroom, I know you can't because you don't, you haven't learned about it yet, but I'm just telling you, if you had those two things going on, Mm -hmm. how much smoother your classroom could be. I'm telling you guys, the more I have studied about it, the more I've learned and the more I've implemented, there's just no denying that this stuff works. It does work. Yeah. Yeah. I, um,
1: Some of the, some of the pieces that you're going to teach us about, I've actually, you know, I've done and practiced Mm -hmm. with students before, but I think again, it always comes back to being purposeful and intentional and
0: explicit
1: and explicit. Yes. Because we
0: can do breath work in our rooms or we can show them a strategy to help them organize. But if we're not explicit in saying we're doing this to help you, that's right. Or we're doing this to help us, Mm -hmm. then I think. They just see it as like another activity. Yeah.
1: I was reading something that may have been in this book that said, when kids don't know math, we teach them math. When they don't know how to read, we teach them to read. Mm -hmm. When they don't know how to behave, we punish them. Oh my gosh. Is that not powerful? Let me say that one more time. Yeah, please do. When kids don't know math, we teach them math. When they don't know how to read, we give them, teach them the skills for reading. When they don't know how to behave, we just punish them first and foremost and never teach them how to behave. And they may not know. Oh, absolutely. That, well, they probably don't, or yeah. they would do better. I right. mean, kids, are, kids do not set out to, to irritate and Mm-mm. bother us. No. They, they really we, want to please. Yeah. And as humans, we just do what we can uh-huh. and do what we know. That's right. And they want a connection. So they will do what they know to do to form a connection, good or bad, Mm -hmm. but I really think we have to be very purposeful and intentional and explicit in teaching them strategies and skills that they can use for their own, uh, you know, for their own learning, for their own thinking, for their own problem solving.
0: And think about that, you you know, you as a third grade teacher can teach some of these things and that seed will be there forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just, yeah. it's great. So this cognitive regulation stuff, I taught this at the university level it, to my field one students. And I, I mean, I, I I got to choose the curriculum for that class and I just saw such great value in it. And that's why I chose it. And, and that's why we're talking about it today. Again, guys, we're going to be quoting and referring um, to information that we learned from the book called All Learning is social and emotional learning. Show them the book, Laura. Yeah, and you guys just really need this. I, I really want to do an episode on social skills, but I think that's probably all we'll cover from this book. But it is so good. Um, it's by Frey Fisher and Smith. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Frey Fisher and Smith, for yes. teaching us such good thank stuff. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> okay. So cognitive regulation is really self-directed regulation of thoughts and beliefs. So let's stop and think about this, Kim. Okay. We start out with an emotion and that will trigger a thought. And then that thought will trigger a an behavior. yeah, an action. Okay. So when we think about this, you know, what we're talking about today is more schoolish stuff mm-hmm. with like attention and things like that. But this will really tie into emotional regulation too. And we all know that kids need help in in all those areas. They do. So
1: it starts out with a, an emotion, then a, a thought. A thought.
0: I think that's actually. the right progression. Yeah,
1: I think so too. It I mean, may be
0: thought emotion, but either way, I mean, we're not scientists. <laughs> no. We're just teachers who study. But something leads to that behavior. Right.
1: There's something that causes it. It's either a thought or an emotion. Mm-hmm.
0: And, so, and this is, you know, cognitive regulation is about regulating the emotions and the thoughts. So then we can modify the behavior instead of just getting a reactive behavior, we're getting an intentional behavior. Okay. And that can be a one second decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a huge topic, guys. We are breaking this up into two parts. So this episode and next episode will be about cognitive regulation. Um, and. Here are a quick list of topics that we'll be covering over the next two weeks. Attention, goal setting, recognizing and resolving problems. I mean, if we just taught some skills about recognizing and resolving problems. Yes. I mean, playground teachers and hall duty teachers would be a lot happier. Um, Another skill is or other skills are seeking help how to seek help, when to seek help. I loved the book and the
1: the part in the book about that.
0: That's next week, people. so good. You're going to love it. Um, Making decisions, organization, and then a a big word that you might hear around schools called metacognition. And we'll talk to you about that in a little bit. So we're going to go into depth, in depth with all of those, some today and some next week. Next week. Okay. Let's start out with this, that fancy word, metacognition. Yeah. So I always teach my students and like they they get this word when I teach them like in literature, like when kids are reading, we want them thinking about what they're thinking. You know, Laura, I've
1: taught this as young as first and second grade to to stop and think it, think about what you're thinking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. What do you what, what are you thinking and be able to uh, really um, voice their thoughts that there's really something going on in your head mm-hmm. while you're doing this work. And, and I that, modeled it and then and modeled and modeled and modeled it. Mm-hmm. We did some together. And then, and then they would talk about their, their
0: thinking. <laughs> so, you know, how they're connecting, how yes. they're questioning they're and, and wondering. wondering. That, that makes sure that they're not passive readers being metacognitive. Yes. And we want them doing it in math. You know, oh, I want them thinking about their strategy that they've mm-hmm. chosen to solve the problem. Is this even possible? You know, like really analyzing their thinking. I think so too. And
1: I think for in math to be able to think about, well, does this this answer even make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. is
0: it even a probable answer? Mm-hmm. Really, really going into it. And mm-hmm. then of course, it's a huge deal for our behavior, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, science and everything else. Now, what Frey Fisher and Smith did for me is I have just stopped at metacognition is thinking about thinking. Yes, me too. But they introduced three prongs to metacognition. I'm going to read them because I do not have them memorized. The first step of metacognition is that we recognize one's own and other people's thinking. Step two or part two of metacognition is to consider the actions needed to complete a task. And three is identify the strategies that one might use to carry out those um, actions. So it's like I've got to recognize that I'm thinking, oh, does this make sense or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yes, it makes sense or no, it doesn't. Then I've got, if it doesn't, I've got to consider, well, what could I do to make it better? And then I'm going to Out of all these options I just thought of, then what can I do to make a difference? Yeah, it's my strategy I should use here.
1: If meaning breaks down, how am I going to fix that? But what stood out to me was to recognize my thinking and someone else's.
0: thinking. Someone else's, yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be very powerful on the playground and in the hallways when we start having arguments and things to be able to stop and think, you know, maybe, maybe he wasn't Giving me a dirty look, he might have been thinking about something that puzzled him, or you know, no, something like that. No. So, metacognition is a big deal. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so let's think about what we can do about it.
1: Well, we can explicitly foster that. We can mm-hmm. ex-
0: explicitly teach kids how to think about thinking. And Kim was perfect. She said, "I modeled that for you know my students and." Mm-hmm. Modeling, I think, is the first thing they need to do. I did. And I would tell them, you know what? I'm going to
1: read this book to you today. And sometimes I'm going to put the book down. And when I do, that's a clue that I'm not reading anymore. And then I'm going to share what I'm thinking Thinking. about. Mm -hmm.
0: And then me working on a math problem on the board. I'm like, I'm going to be telling you all what I'm thinking. And then what I'm thinking about what I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can really see into my brain. And so then after we model, I think, Prompting for it, prompting, okay, stop and tell me what you're thinking
1: mm-hmm.
0: um when then, okay, what could you do? What were some strategies you could activate instead of fighting or whatever yeah, <laughs> um, maybe or, that wasn't a good choice, maybe uh you know because it, it can be after the fact or it can be in you know in the moment, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's just huge that we model and then we prompt for it. It's just like i I've been. Thinking about a car line issue with some of my with one of my children, the the teachers they stand there at the beginning of the day, but no one will get out of their car except the top two cars, mm-hmm. and really about ten cars could, could get out. But if the teachers that were standing there and are monitoring waved their hands and were like, "Come on, you know," or like, "Get out of the car," then they would. Mm-hmm. And they're not really sure what to do, probably. Yeah. You think? I I think it's just routine. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, it's going to be hard to get them out to get it regular routine. Every morning, I think they are right there. That models for me how much prompting is needed, Mm -hmm. even as simple as getting out of the car. Mm -hmm. And then when we're reading or writing or mathing Mm -hmm. or solving a behavior problem, how much even more difficult that is. Right. So they're going to need prompting. They do. Yes, they do. Um, Reciprocal teaching. I don't know if you guys have um, ever activated that strategy. We have some reciprocal teaching cards that we can load. Oh, yes, we do. So for fiction and nonfiction. I think I have both. Do we have both? I think so. Okay. Um, And that has shown great. um... Yes, it has.
1: um, Hattie's research says a 0.74 effect size.
0: And when you look at Hattie's research, you look anything 0.4 or above is worth considering doing in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And so 0.74 is an obvious, let's try it out. So reciprocal teaching is really just you divide your students into groups and they are given a role, which I'm not always a fan of roles, but in this strategy I am. So you might be the summarizer, and I might be the connector, and our invisible friend might be the questioner. Mm -hmm. We read a paragraph, and there are questions to prompt our thinking. That might be a a
1: self-destructing scaffold. You know, you may use that as a scaffold in the beginning, but you can take take it it away once they understand Mm -hmm. how that conversation should look. But I think starting out, you're going to need the role call.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's like crutches. It is. It is. It's a scaffold,
1: but we won't keep it up there all the time. We don't need it all the time because we're not always working up here. We'll Mm -hmm. be able to work. It'll go underground. Right. Become
0: routine. Yeah, we won't need that. And especially if we're modeling and prompting for it, then they will start to get a hold of Mm -hmm. it. And then if I've got some supports with my cards, then probably after about, I don't know, a month or two of doing that stuff, you can start saying, All right, now instead of the cards today, everybody's gonna share out. Yeah. I, I think what I'll do is I'm doing with one of my groups,
1: I'm doing number of the stars. Oh gosh. Oh I know it. so good. And so I think I'll try this with them and then I'll give you a report.
0: Okay. Next time we'll see how we'll that have works. a follow up conversation. Yes. Um, let's see. In the book, um they they mention that a teacher has a poster in the classroom listing behaviors or or prompts for them to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, just providing a visual reminder is so important, especially if we take away those supports, then I could just have a, you know, an anchor chart, which an anchor chart is just, how do we describe an anchor chart?
1: It's just a, a memory device, mm.
0: really. It's just
1: a chart with the, what what we need them to pay attention to. And it's an anchor for them in the classroom to go back to so that they will have a reference. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: it makes perfect sense.
1: So it's, that's why it's called an anchor a chart. chart and it's, an it's
0: made together with the kids. And so they, uh, in this book, this teacher has prompts like this on their anchor chart. Um, identify what you already know. Summarize what you've learned and um, communicate your knowledge, skills, and abilities, which I think we would have to modify the wording. I know, do too. But still kind of coming up with that same underlying mm-hmm. meaning. Explain. Mm-hmm. Or you could say explain what you've learned. Yeah. And explain what you've learned. Explain mm-hmm. how you how you solved or, or how you can solve the problem uh-huh. or whatever. Um, And then, like, set goals and then check your progress. So you can, I mean, you can make this however you want to, but you really just want to think about what prompts do your kids need to be able, need to have in order to think deeper and to think about their own thinking. I think so, too,
1: Lauren. I think these are added over time. Oh, for sure. I don't think you would start with a big list. Mm -hmm. You start with, okay, we're going to, when we start this process, we're going to identify what we already know. Anytime we're learning something new, we need to think about what we already know
0: mm-hmm.
1: before we are ready to learn anything new. What right. do you already know that you can link to in your brain? That'll make us sticky. Kids, yeah, mm-hmm. that we're that's a sticky note in there, and we're we're going to have to. There's a hook, and we have to hook this new learning onto what something that we already know. So then I think after you did that. Then you could introduce. Okay, now that we've identified what we know uh-huh. and we've done the study of whatever. Another is, thing you can do is summarize what you've mm-hmm. learned. So I just want you to do a, you know, a five minute write, a mm-hmm. two minute write. I want you to write it down in ten words or less. Twenty. Yeah. That's when we could implement that writing uh-huh. piece where we say, okay, and you ha- you have two minutes to write twenty words to some minimum twenty words mm-hmm. to summarize what you've learned. Now I get it down to fifteen words. Then right. get it Down to ten words.
0: And then, I mean, it could be beautiful. It really could. (laughs) We love it. Yeah. And then,
1: now then, teaching them how to communicate or explain this, what you've written Mm -hmm. to your peer group.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we can take it even further and ask them to think about what they thought about what their friends shared. Oh, yeah. And that would open up that first prong of recognize my own and others. And others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just picture this in math so beautifully.
1: Really, I think so too because it's, it's super easy then to set a goal
0: for next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or to open my eyes to a strategy to be able to listen to you describe it and me to think, oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, I've never thought about it that yeah. way before. So, mm-hmm. um, okay.
1: Anything else on that? I think, I think the goal setting is important where kids have. So in my class, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, we uh, do fluency every other day mm-hmm. on our, they're called B-days. And so we do fluency work. And I have taught them that this is this is a competition with yourself. It's not a competition with right. others. My students are precious about this they'll say "Oh Laura you did so good today look you beat what you did last time so we set our goal last time you did so you know you did a hundred words what what would you like to try for today all right you ready and then mm-hmm. we do that because they they have to set their own goals they yeah. have to own that and um, so I think that goal setting is really a big part of this metacognition because I've got to be aware of, of- what I've done in the past Uh and what my ultimate goal is, but what's my goal for today? Oh, I like that.
0: It's really making me think about what's possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, even how can I get there? I think so too. And it really helps them become Mm self-regulated
1: because this is about me doing what I need to do to get better. Right. Not about me looking over at your lane and trying to compete against you.
0: Well, I really will be doing it, you know? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Goal setting is a part of cognitive regulation. Um, Sometimes we
1: think that kids just aren't motivated, right? But maybe they don't understand um, their expect what what to how to verbalize their expectations. Mm-hmm. Renee Brown talks about that in one of her books I've read recently about verbalizing your expectations. So, what do you expect out of this? What do you expect to learn or what do you expect to know or what, what do you expect? Because kids have very little choice in what they get to study at school. Very That little. curriculum is set by the state typically. Mm-hmm. And we have go with standards that we have to cover and teach.
0: And we have to read this story and we have to yes. do this, you know.
1: And they don't have a whole lot of They don't get to just study what they like to study. Right. This isn't college for some. Now, if you're in college, you get that to an extent, but you still have. Mm -hmm. Other classes that you have to take that may not be your cup of tea. Landon's taking chemistry right now. Not loving it. (laughs) Not a big fan. Oh, gosh, bless him. I know. But so you do. There are things you have to do in life that are hard. And I think it's Mm -hmm. okay that they don't get to choose everything they're going to learn. Because that's a life lesson. Mm -hmm. We don't get to choose everything.
0: And it may help you
1: grow. Right. Right. So then, since I don't get to choose Mm -hmm. what I'm learning, then I need to... Uh, And and we want them all engaged, like we expect them to be in on it and on the learning. We have to help them establish a goal for what they want to learn out of this content.
0: So that's why I think it's so important to share the objective, to talk about what we're going, what we're doing and where we're going. You know, if we're teaching argumentative writing to show them Mm -hmm. a good exemplar and Mm -hmm. talk about those things and then they can wrap their brain around. Right. A goal. Well, you know, for years we've used KWL charts Mm -hmm. yeah, and
1: this really kind of sets into there. What do I know? What do I want to know? And then going back to summarizing what I've I've learned. learned. But I think just as a step further than than the KWL, each child or student or young person gets to select their goal for what they want to learn out of. Mm -hmm. If we're studying fungi, I was in a terrace class and that's what they're studying. And they had mushrooms and they were drawing them and writing about them, and smelling them, and touching them. It was a lab. That's awesome. It was so awesome. And identifying the parts of the of the mushrooms. So she had turned this really what I consider to not to be the most interesting <laughs> subject into something huge mm-hmm. about how how we can use this to um to for healing, like for he- uh, medical purposes, okay. for medicines, uh, world hunger. Tara had turned this lesson, or a series of lessons into something interesting on how to um, cure world hunger and how to create medicines mm-hmm. and this she found one mushroom that can grow out of cardboard. It doesn't I mean it can oh my God, just I mean, it's easy. so anyway. I guess I said all that to say she took this little thing that didn't seem interesting and made it extremely interesting for the mm-hmm. kids, and they got to choose how they responded, what their goal was. So I, so
0: maybe like you know my my after they can, they have to have some awareness of what you're talking about. Oh to yeah. To set she a goal. Mm-hmm. But she you know that my my goal is to be able to share the health benefits of you know including mushrooms in your diet or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, you know. I think if we provide them some options, I mean, the the research shows that motivation or lack thereof is fueled in part by one's goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about it. When we have a goal to work out four times a week or to eat a healthier diet, et cetera, then we have a little bit more motivation to do it. Right. Yeah. And so how can we, you know, really think about this? all these ideas we're sharing, like be creative with them and think about how you could use this in the classroom. Right.
1: Well, Laura, so this was new to me. I want you to explain it because you do better job than I do Mm -hmm. on the different
0: kinds of goals. Okay. So we have two kinds of goals, performance goals and mastery goals. And what we are most used to as humans are performance goals. Yes. Making honor roll, meeting my GPA. Making
1: the orchestra. That was one example. Okay. Yeah. Like being able to play in the orchestra.
0: Making a team or something very mm-hmm. much performance yeah. based goals. Yes. And what they say is those aren't necessarily bad. It's it's very human. It we need we need to meet those needs of recognition and accomplishment and esteem. But when that's the only focus, it undermines learning. So it's my, like, fo- my
1: main focus is having a four point. I may take somebody besides Miss Wooldridge and my, because she's going to make me work
0: mm. and
1: I might take another professor at college that I heard is the easy. Yes. I heard, which those never, I don't think those anyway work out. No, but you know or like,
0: I, mean? I, I, I might cheat or I might just, you know, like it's when performance is the goal, it takes not always, and some individuals will be driven, no matter what, but the focus isn't necessarily on learning the content, the focus is just on achieving. Right. Right.: Yeah. I mean, of course we want our kids to succeed. Absolutely. But they challenge us to think about things called mastery goals, and those are all focused on the learning or the growth of the growth of the individual. And it's all about achieving one's best. So thinking about what we're capable of and and maximizing that it'll help us take more risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it would be a huge builder of your community mm-hmm. and like your little kids praising each other. It's the sweetest thing I've ever oh, seen. Gosh. My
1: dojo was going crazy. <laughs> they are so precious, and they were like,
0: "Good job! I'm so proud of you.
1: You beat <laughs> your last time. That's good."
0: Well, I'm going to compare a mastery goal to a learning or to a, a performance goal real quick for you. So getting an A in Spanish is a performance goal. Learning to speak yes. Spanish is a mastery goal, mm-hmm. and that's a big mastery goal. they don't all have to mm-hmm. be big. But what they did lots of research on on um, implementing mastery goals with controlled studies, and what they found was attitudes, motivation, and achievement all went up when the focus was on a mastery goal. The environment, I think, is a big factor in that. We all know that we learn better when it's safe, when it's positive and things like that. I wrote down
1: that um, in my notes that it has been shown that mastery goals help students become more resilient and more persistent.
0: Mm, Because they're just focusing on growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's think about this as AR, accelerated reader. I know a lot of schools do that. Um, you know, if we put the point goals on the bulletin board, I think it will turn into performance goal. Mm -hmm. I've seen teachers who have like, um, so picture a bulletin board and there's horizontal straps going down for 25%, 50%. 75% met and 100% met Mm -hmm. and your little car, Kim's Mm -hmm. little car has her name on it and she gets to move it when she meets 25%, 50%. And so no one knows that your goal's 18 Mm -hmm. points Mm -hmm. and mine's four, because I'm moving my car, that's the same thing. And so the focus is on developing and learning. Right. Um, so, if you're doing something like that, which a lot of you are, you're already doing something called a mastery goal um It's really about what the student is capable of and what they can achieve. so you might have i mean I'm sure no one's going to shake their head on this, but I had some students who had very messy desks, <laughs> like very messy desks, yes, and you know a mastery goal for them could be I will ensure my desk is straightened. By the end of the day or at the end of each day. And that's something that I know they can do. Of course, I might have to support them in reminding, but that's attainable. And that's like something that they're working towards doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it doesn't have to be learning based. It can be behavior based, too.
1: I have a mastery goal for my running. Oh, yeah. I want to be able to run a 5K, which isn't that's not huge. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's big for me. Right. And, um, so I'm using C to 5k app mm-hmm. to get there. And every day I'm, I send it to you and I'm sorry.
0: I'm it's like okay. That. I love, I'm excited every time but I get a text. I,
1: I'm getting better. I'm still better than I was mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter.
0: So then your mastery goal will be at the end of the week or by the end of the week at one time, I will beat my goal of last time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just say every time. No. Because you're going so to have So I runners.
1: try to run it during the warm-up a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
0: So the way it's set Your up, runner. like now
1: I'm running 16 minutes according to the app. But really, I know that I'm running about 20 minutes because I run two minutes of my warm-up and two mm-hmm. minutes during the cool-down. Mm-hmm. And then I come back
0: and do some yoga stretches. So that's making you stronger, mm-hmm. probably quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What we want to do, though, guys, is make, you know, small attainable goals and they're quick. I I just encourage you to if you're going to set nine weeks goals with your students that you break it down and they're turned into weekly goals or two week goals, Mm -hmm. even like I'm thinking about my college students. Like I could not have just done a nine week goal and expected them to make it without me prompting and talking about it all the time. Me as a 43 year old, I couldn't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so breaking, breaking big goals down, if you have big goals for nine weeks, down into smaller things and then activating them in monitoring it, reflecting on it and planning for their goals is huge. And that is cognitive regulation, guys, mm-hmm. really at its
1: finest. I wrote that it becomes part of their internal nature. Mm.
0: Growth. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. what do I need to do? What, what have I been doing? And has it been working? And what do I need to change? It really links with metacognition pretty beautifully. It does.
1: And the authors say really helping a student identify their personal best.
0: Mm. And I think a lot of kids will need help in that. Yeah. You know, Um, so many kids struggle with self-esteem and things like that. And we need to say, you know, well, what do you think you could do? And if they say two points, you'd be like, oh, no, sister, you can, I think you can do better Mm -hmm. and talking with them and they'll be like, oh yeah, I really can.
1: I think um, the author said that we should adopt this mindset and model it ourselves Mm -hmm. So we can't be competing with every other teacher for teacher of the year, right? Like That's an example they gave.
0: But maybe just to be better than we were last week, mm-hmm. yeah, or last month,
1: or last year,
0: or compared to your scores on that unit last year, then maybe mm-hmm. I'm going to make some tweaks and hopefully see yeah. growth. You yeah. know, um, absolutely. We we just cannot expect our students to do things that we do not do ourselves. That's right. They said that
1: um, the research indicates that teachers tend to teach in the way that they learn. Mm -hmm. How about that?
0: So So, we're going to have to be very mindful uh of it.
1: They teach in ways that are consistent with how they themselves learn. So when you are teaching them about this whole idea, share with them something you're learning to Mm -hmm. do, and how you're getting better and better all the time, and next week or next month or by Christmas or by next year, you want to be able to do X, Y, or Z. And it can be anything, playing the
0: piano. It can be. I mean, Spanish. They gave sure. examples with, I will collect accurate information and document my process, or I will find evidence that's appropriate for my topic. um, I will cite my evidence correctly each time I use a source. So we're not asking them to go run a marathon or to not miss a day of school. Or get 100% of their work, their problems worked correctly. Absolutely. Or
1: every word in their essay or every bit of grammar in their essay used correctly 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. That's not attainable because they're still learning. But you know what? I can cite my evidence every time. Mm-hmm.
0: Or, you know, I can apply um, my CVCE pattern on whatever, yeah. you know, like, in my writing it's not saying every time mm-hmm. it's going to be written correctly yeah but i should see evidence of it
1: right my friend bobby ferris who um teaches ap lang and ap lit i think when she teaches grammar she's been teaching for years but as she teaches each element she makes a that gets added to her rubric
0: mm-hmm. so you're
1: not ever held accountable for anything i haven't taught you myself okay. even though i I think you learned it last year or you should have learned it last year until I teach you how I want it to work. You're not responsible for it. Mm-hmm. But then once we agree that, you know, we, we've we got this, that's going on the rubric or the checklist. That's great. Yeah, she's amazing.
0: And that could be an I can statements or whatever. And then they could choose one of those to write their master goal for their piece that they're that's writing what I mean. or whatever. That's right. It, I just can't encourage you to be creative enough. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that one on goal setting Mm because I didn't really,
1: I've never thought about it the way they had it laid out. It was performance versus mastery.
0: Well, I think if we go back to the definition, it is self directed regulation of thoughts and beliefs. And so if I am working towards a goal, I'm going to have to regulate definitely my thoughts. And, you know, if I start getting down on myself or whatever that's complete regulation because I've got to be in the growth mindset. Uh Yeah. That's how it fits into cognitive regulation. Okay. Here's one that you're all going to be very interested in. It's attention. Okay. And we know this is a struggle. Um, I mean, it's it's really a bad struggle for me paying attention. It is. If you watch a group of adults, if you watch a group of kids, if you're out on the baseball field and the team huddles up, You're going to see attention issues. Um, So I'm going to read you the definition that Frey Fisher and Smith said about attention. It is an example of directed thinking. And I want to point out something that Frey Fisher and Smith helped me think about. Because when I think about attention, and we get frustrated with kids not paying attention. You know, you might snap your fingers. Get with me. Get with me or whatever. and We don't want to get on to kids for not being able to pay attention because everybody's brain flows off. I mean, if I wouldn't have eaten before I came here, uh, you would be thinking about that. I would be thinking about that. And that's nothing wrong with that because I'm trying to, you know, provide a need or you've got your busy bodies in the classroom Mm -hmm. who are just so and it's like they're 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 providing. Their mind is thinking about what their body needs, Mm -hmm. but what they challenge us to think about with attention is teaching kids and us what to do when we do lose attention, that it's our capacity to like problem solve out of attention. Is that, is that? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I loved that.
1: I did too. You know, we, little kids, we always say that their attention span is their age plus or minus one. So if they're seven their their attention span's gonna be six to eight minutes, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um I but just it didn't know tops out it. at about twelve. And I don't know if that research is what's happened since that that's old. Yeah. But I uh, but it's it's general. They um Fisher Fisher and Fry say it's important to note that relative attention is task dependent and students, school age students will generally maintain attention between five and ten minutes and that's all.
0: That's it. So, so if we're if we are keeping the same thing going on for ten minutes, you need to stop and scan and make sure everybody's with you. Or really even five. We've got to switch that. We've got to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. You them. know, raising your voice, having them stand up, doing something. But what we're going to focus on today is Helping kids and helping us, because this is I mean, well, I'm I'm saying us as in me. It's just as big of a problem for me as it is, I think, little kids. Oh, it is. Is how to sustain attention that, you know, I'm I know and I'm going to acknowledge that my mind will wonder, but what will I do to get it back?
1: Right. Because they say in the book, um, it's not about Lengthening their attention span, right? But what do you do? Noticing when they their mind has wandered, Mm -hmm. and a strategy for getting it back. So teaching them, you know what? This happens to me all the time. A thought will just pop in my head Mm -hmm. out of nowhere, and then I'm thinking about chocolate covered turtles,
0: (laughs) and And how good they'll be. Super yummy they are, or the bread
1: that's rising in there. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder what
0: am to have for lunch. Uh, you know, because we really have no control. I don't, or I don't think we have much control over lengthening their attention. That comes with age and development, which mine has not developed much. But and actually, <laughs> I think mine has probably regressed. Yours is good. I uh, know. I don't know. Um, but really, focusing on teaching them the skills of how they can notice when they've lost attention,
1: and how do we know that those kids who seem like they're sustaining attention mm-hmm. are not? have not already developed strategies for bringing
0: their mind back. Right. And that they're really not just because someone's not looking at you does not mean that they're not paying attention. So got to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh We all, we will always talk about Brene Brown, but she says so many times our emotions are like we, I will, I will funnel my interpretation of Kim's emotions through my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm frustrated with that little kid over there not paying attention, but I'm funneling all my beliefs about their behaviors through your, yeah, through my filter. And really that kid pops up and like says all the right answers. And you're like, oh, they really were. They really were. Yeah. So, um, things that we can do to help our kids is I always modeling and thinking, oh, you know, like, um, Let me reread that real quick. I was not paying close enough attention to that. And so I'm going to go back and reread. So right there, you're acknowledging that you're a human too, and that you noticed yourself not paying attention, and that you're going to reread to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that breathing popped up again in this one. mm -hmm. Just
1: have them stop. When you realize you're off, just stop, take a few deep breaths, and then get back at it.
0: Yeah you know, maybe um, I can, if there's something in my hands, I can put it down. I can't like th- simple things that they can do to redirect their attention. Okay. Talk about the timer. Okay. okay. So timers and um, my friend Charlotte and I, we would do this, or we talked about it. And we talked about doing this is, okay, grading is atrocious. Okay. I really wish I could just teach and never grade but you know grading gets hard and then your attention starts really lagging and so setting a timer for 30 minutes and grading your this class's stuff and then in 30 minutes no matter what you stand up and you go grab a different pile of papers and now you're going to go grade math for 30 minutes so it's like using a timer to structure out your day. And of course, with little kids, you wouldn't do 30 minutes.
1: You know, Laura, I did this with my older son, David. He uh, is real attentiony like his mother. And when he was little, of course, we didn't know he had dyslexia. Mm-hmm. He did. And he always had tons of homework because he couldn't get everything finished died. in the daytime mm-hmm. at school. So anyone he wanted to play his video games. He loved video games. So I would say, we're going to set the timer for 15 minutes. We're working 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to take a break and you can go play for 15 minutes. And what happened was over time, he would say, well, I, I'm almost finished with this work. Can I, can I just keep going? I'd say, no, we're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. But initially when we started, he would go play for 15 minutes and I'd set the timer, go off and he'd go, mom, I just need to finish this. And I'd say, no. no you stop now or I'm unplugging it. And back then you'd lose all your memory. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, okay, okay. But eventually he wanted to spend more time on the work. It really does work well for kids who are struggling with that, maintaining their attention Mm -hmm. and noticing when it gets off. So it's, it's a really, I even talked to his, uh, it was, he was, when he was in junior high, we did this, his um, algebra teacher and she tried it with her students in her class. And she said, I'm, I'm using this from now on.
0: I just think about us cleaning house, you know, when we have, yes. when I say this morning, we're going to pick up and we're going to get this house looking great. Or if I say, or we always do power hour, or power half hour, or I say, guys, pick up everything you can in 10 minutes. And it's like, we're just so much more laser focused mm-hmm. that, that, Timers will really help. I think that will help me for packing up this house. <laughs> I don't know. I'm dreading it. <laughs> well, I do, th- and you know, I'm going to listen to two songs and do this for you know a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that I think that will help direct because remember, attention is a big deal. We have to attain it and we have to maintain it, and so we're fighting two battles. Yeah. And I think a timer will attain attention because they're like, okay, I just have to do this for 15 minutes or I just have to do this for 10 and then, um, you know, maintaining it. I mean, it depends on how your kids are for you to set your timer. So let's talk about the phones because I know that is a pet peeve of yours
1: (sighs) while you're teaching the study with the phones.
0: So in my college classes, I put it on myself. I would say I mean, because, you know, I can't call their parents and I can't keep them in for recess and I can't do all these. But my, like my ability to leverage things was very difficult in college. Um, but what I would say to them is, guys, listen, you're in here for an hour and 15 minutes, two times a week, and you have to learn to teach. And that is a, that takes way longer than an hour and 15 minutes. Anytime a phone is out, or I see you checking your watch, I'm going to wonder who you're texting, what you are texting, why you're texting. I said, you will like out, my game will be thrown off. And so I really put it on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just said, you know, phones should not be visible unless I say pull out your phones and let's research something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was a biggie for me because I literally just cannot pay attention. Just I'm, I'm squirreling all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Well, the author said it, it is not so much, when they did a study of this with the students with their phones, um, it wasn't really the technology. It was that they felt like they were missing out on something. It was an internal anxiety mm. that they felt. And when they told them, you you can, after a minute, after 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever the number was,
0: you'll you be can able check to check it. your
1: phone. Then they got sustained attention during the time and deeper co- attention than when the kids had the opportunity or they didn't, felt like they didn't have control.
0: So don't you think that's just kind of goes in with knowing what's going to happen? Expectations. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I went on a rabbit trail with that. No, that's fine. It's all good. Um, Yeah, it, we really have to think about what we're doing in the environment to set up an environment to attain and maintain attention. Uh-huh. Uh, we were at a study the other night and we were at a restaurant and the guy was getting up to speak. And another guy was like, I'm going to come up and turn this TV off that's behind you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, because I would have been watching the baseball mm-hmm. game, even though I don't even really like baseball too much um, watching it because that would have caused our attention. So thinking about how stimulating is your, your is your room? What noises do you have going on? You know, and is your phone off? Because if your phone dings, mm-hmm. boom, attention is gone, you know, mm-hmm. What other things can we do? My dinged the
1: other day at school and a little boy jumped out of his chair and went over and said, it's it's best husband ever. I said, I'm sorry. I meant to turn that off. It was on my desk. (laughs) Um, Well, we can have, we can make sure that it's comfortable. It's a Mm -hmm. comfortable and quiet environment. We know that kids need that. Yeah. They need to know why it needs to be that Mm -hmm. way.
0: This is to help you
1: Mm -hmm. or whatever. We can't. We can't multitask. That is that is just fake news right there. Yeah. It, we can't I try my it. best, and I can't. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. So if my mind, it, my conscious mind, is thinking about something else, then I'm not thinking about what I need to be thinking about. Right.
0: Whenever um the walls in our school were pretty thin and so you could always hear the other professors teaching. And if I had them do like a quiet reflection or reading, I would always put on that prime the brain playlist on mm-hmm. Spotify. And I would say, I'm doing this to help you zone, you know, get rid of those noises that are that you're going to hear Dr. Schmidt or Dr. Foster talk if I don't do this. And so I want you focused. Yeah. But I think again, just explicitly like, telling drown them. out the outside mm-hmm. noise. Yeah. yeah. It's like my sleep band. Oh, oh I love sleep it. noise. But we really have to think about, you know, if we're using manipulatives, do we put them out at the beginning? Because you know, if you're not using them at the beginning, what are they going to be They're doing? Playing with them. You know, if, if your kids have their Chromebooks, open and you don't want them paying attention to it, then force them to shut it Mm -hmm. or turn their screen around or whatever, you know, making sure that you minimize all the distractions. You know, like there's a big thing of ours at home is no toys at the table. And so I can say quit playing with that because somebody will bring something to the table and they will still play with it. But if I say, go put that ball over there in that chair, then they can't play with it, Mm -hmm. you know, or go put that ball somewhere else because, you know, there aren't toys at the table, then they have choice in it. Mm -hmm. So or even structured choice, you know, if a kid's got a phone and they're not supposed to have the phone, you can go put that on my desk or you can go put it in your backpack. Which one do you want to do? Because we know we're not supposed to have those phones out or whatever. Yes. But really thinking about, okay, what conditions can you put into your classroom that will contribute to attention, maintainment, and then what things will detract them? Or is that the Distract. Distract uh, the <laughs> learners from learning. Yes. So. That's right.
1: Um, they talk about in the book ma- making sure that we are. Re- They didn't say it this way, but reading the room,
0: Mm -hmm. are we
1: aware when kids aren't paying attention or when they're when we've lost them?
0: Right. And really, we've got to make sure because many times when you're starting and you get going, you're just in it and your eyes are just kind of scanning the back. Or just scanning the the three kids that are sitting in front of you on the carpet. And we've got to make sure that we are really scanning that whole room with our eyes. Mm-hmm. If you watch yourself, you will probably either go to the left or go to the right, to the right. with your eyes. I didn't know
1: that till I, till I videoed myself. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm always talking to the right side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so making sure that our eyes go all the way across our room because. They seize the
1: day. That's right. That's right. And when kids, when you do lose them, we shouldn't look at that as a behavior problem mm-hmm. or a flaw in their character.
0: Or disrespect. Or you know, disrespect. I think so many times it comes out, you're not respecting me or show respect and listen and look and things like that. And I think it goes back to looking deeper at it. mm mm-hmm. One thing I'm asking myself is, am I engaging? Mm-hmm. You know, or am I expecting too much out of them? Right. You know, they've been on the carpet for thirty minutes. Well, no wonder they can't pay attention. Well, no wonder. They, and they're probably tired. Their legs are probably tired mm-hmm. from sitting like
1: that. So, showing them how to, you know, what I've noticed, you guys are kind of needing a brain break right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I need one too. Yeah. My my brain gets it's tired. tired, and we've mm-hmm. done a lot of hard work and hard thinking. So. We're gonna take a brain break. And they even recognized in here that breathing
0: activities would be okay. good. I just never, I don't know if it's what's I don't
1: remember what that phenomenon's called where when you get, Oh
0: yeah, when you think no one has the car and you see one and, and then you buy one and now everybody's got that. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't remember what that's called either. It's an actual thing. Um So what I want you to think about is, let's say that we're teaching kids and we notice one or two or all aren't paying attention. We're going to resist the reaction to pounce on them with our words or even our tone and think, "Okay, I need to change the pace. I need to change the activity. I need to do something. What can I do simply to get their attention back mm-hmm. you can say oh all right guys i'm losing you come on mm-hmm. you know yeah. or just encourage right and, and and acknowledging that it's normal yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and and that uh, you've got it highlighted in yours and i've got it highlighted in mine that we're explicit in saying we're doing this because this is what we can do to refocus ourselves mm-hmm. that when we our, do lose attention here's what we're doing to help yeah, us we're doing this so we can help help ourselves refocus and get back to what we have
0: to get done. And I mean, just thinking about cognitive regulation, that attention is beautiful for this. Mm -hmm. So we are noticing our thoughts and emotions and we are monitoring them and acting upon them. You know
1: what I like about this too, Laura, is for uh, for all of these pieces we've discussed today, is that this is done in content.
0: Mm -hmm. It's not
1: outside of content. Right. We teach it as we're teaching the content.
0: And so then they it's like user-friendly tools. Mm-hmm. So, I um, think so just great stuff. I think so. Okay. Well, next week, we will focus on recognizing and resolving problems. So get excited, people. It's going to be good. We'll also dig into building kids and our skills. All these things are not just for kids. They're for oh, us too. They are. For um, seeking help making decisions, building up their skills to make strong decisions, and then at organization. So we are so excited about sharing this content with you because we know it's going to help you improve your, t- it, like every investment you do in these, building these skills will help improve your teaching. And that of course improves learning. That does. So, That's right. So as always,
1: thank you for listening. We're glad you joined us today. Please share our podcast with others. We want to help as many teachers as we can. We hope today's helped you in some way because that's our goal. is to help one teacher, help one student,
0: one time. You have a
1: great rest of your week. See you
0: later, Alligators.